it just hit me one day. So I had a decent job for my age. I was a recent college graduate. It was enough to, you know, pay for my life and have a little extra. And that was kind of the dream at that point. And it just hit me one day, like, I'm comfortable enough where I could just live and die in this and never have anything else or feel anything else. And I could just stay there forever. And that's all life would be. It would be comfortable, but it wouldn't be, there'd be nothing extraordinary about it. And that kind of hit me then that I needed to, I needed to make a change. And I didn't know what that change was going to be, but something had to change. And I quit my job and booked a flight to Sudan. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace, to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one, and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you, I support you, and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. Today's guest is a world traveler, and she's the first solo woman to travel to Afghanistan after the Taliban takeover. Jacqueline Koontz grew up in a small town in the country of upstate New York. Today, she's living in Sudan and has been for the past eight years. She has such a beautiful perspective and one unlike many others. In her travels, she's come to understand the importance of not judging people based on the actions of their government and that there can be a lot of misconceptions portrayed in the media. She's also tapped into the truth of our oneness as she spends all her time with people who grew up very differently than her. Through her own life and example, she'll help teach you that you don't need to follow the quote-unquote typical life path, but you can really create whatever you want. Just because someone doesn't get it since it's not their path doesn't mean it's not yours. Well, Jacqueline, I would like to welcome you to the podcast. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Jacqueline, I am excited. You are quite the world traveler. Uh, so I recently found out, if this is true, that you were the first known woman to travel to Afghanistan after the, Pal- the Taliban takeover? I was the first to go independently. So there was one woman that went before me with a guide. So I was the first that thought it would be a great idea to fly to Afghanistan on a whim and travel around. You know. How was that experience like for you? It was definitely eye-opening. So, I mean, I do, I live in Sudan, so I have a lot of experience living under an Islamic regime, um, under Sharia law. But going to Afghanistan, seeing the Taliban, um, especially after last year, I mean, we all remember watching um, the videos from the Kabul airport, just the masses of people trying to get out. So landing in that same airport and kind of seeing what it is today was just very surreal. Um, Definitely an eye-opening experience. I would not recommend going. Um, I tell this to travelers as well that ask me all the time. I would not recommend trying to go to Afghanistan on your own at the moment. Um, yeah, was, what, why did, why did you decide to go there? What, what inspired that, that trip? I've been asked that a lot and I don't really have a 
solid answer for it. So I like to see places for myself, especially misunderstood places. So I travel a lot. Like I live in Sudan. I've been to parts of Somalia. I've been to Iraq this year, Iran, very recently during the protest. So I like to see the things firsthand. So rather than just watch them on TV with the media. And so I was really interested in kind of seeing now that the Taliban have settled in as the government, like what is life like there? So you don't see it in the news anymore. So what's going on? So, and then how, how long after the takeover did you travel there? So I was there in June. So it was about 10 months after the takeover. Got it. And then how did you feel there though? Like what, what was the energy? Did you feel safe? What, what was that like? So I felt very safe. Um, there's a lot of weapons. So, I mean, I would be sitting in a cafe having my morning coffee and you'd get 10 guys coming in. They've each got some kind of automatic weapon. One's got a bazooka that he throws on the table while they're sitting down to eat. So that was a little bit odd to kind of see it so casual. So, but I felt safe overall. Um, being a woman was an interesting experience because um, they're not really um, a fan of letting women speak or go around on their own. So as a woman in the country, you do have to travel with a man at all times. You're only allowed to go outside if you have a man with you. So that was quite restrictive. Wow. And then you were saying, right, you like to go to these places so that you can see firsthand what's going on as the, as opposed to what you're seeing in the media. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I guess what were some of the, were there some like main differences, things that you were seeing portrayed in the media that weren't really factual or exactly how things were happening there? So a lot of people did kind of communicate to me the same things that you'd get in the media. They're desperate to leave. Things aren't good. But I was lucky enough to meet some families while I was there. I had a taxi driver in the northern part of the country um, and I had paid him to take me to a few different sites. And at the end, he asked me, do you want to meet my family? I'm like, of course I want to meet your family. Like, that's amazing. Um, so I went back with him to his family's home for dinner. So I got to kind of ask them some more personal questions as we got to know each other. And I asked them, well, what is it like living under the Taliban? Like, do you want to leave? Like, what's going on? And they said that they actually want to stay because this is the first time that they've had peace in the last 20 some years. So beforehand, I mean, the Taliban were fighting with the, the military there. You had the American involvement, of course. So they said it doesn't matter. Like, there's just no fighting anymore. So the bad guys are the ones in charge, but we're not afraid. So that was an interesting perspective that I didn't really expect to hear. That is, wow, that perspective, right? You kind of, I wouldn't have thought about it that way. But again, we're not there. So we're like, what, yeah. what, you know, like, what do I know? It's like, it's so interesting too. So many times we'll, we'll try to put our thought or perspective or angle on a situation that we're not experiencing. Mm -hmm. So I think in our heads, we thought it was better before. So when they had democracy or however they want to call it, but I mean, right now they're just saying the roads are safe to drive on. There's not fighting. It's peaceful. So. Wow. So then overall too, they feel, they feel safe. Yeah, at least some of the people I spoke with. So yeah. um, there's a lot of fear about how women's rights are going to to go in the country, especially with education-related rights, So because mm. it hasn't been officially decided yet. So there's a lot of people that are nervous about how that will end up. So obviously there are still things as they're taking over more and more, things that are just up in the air that the people yeah. there are just kind of waiting to see how they're going to unfold. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that there's no official decision on yet. So. Got it. Hopefully they're more progressive. They say they will be, but I mean, they're the Taliban. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any plans of going back to Afghanistan anytime soon? I don't think so. No, yeah. no, not in the near future. Was so. it good just to go there and see what was happening, kind of get that understanding and then leave and then not really try to revisit it? Um, I guess so. I've thought about it. So if I went back, I think I'd do it differently. Um, so the biggest struggle I had was dealing directly with the Taliban, where if you hired a guide or a fixer while you were there, you had that kind of layer between, between you and the Taliban. And I didn't have that. So I found that very stressful at times. So I've reflected on being there um, a lot since then. And if I had to do it again, or if I could go back and redo it, I would have hired somebody or made some kind of local connection just to help me out with that aspect of it because that was very stressful trying to navigate 
Yeah. Wow. I could see that. And then can I, how are you received as a white woman with blonde hair? So I actually wore a full niqab yeah. while I was there. Yeah. So you just had my eyes mm-hmm. showing. So, I mean, it, the second you start to speak to me, if you speak to me, you figure out I'm, I'm an American and I'm foreign. Um, overall, people were very receptive. Um, so I met some people at my hotels that I'd stay at that would actually find a place that I could go out for shisha with them. So, which I was really surprised I was able to do because that's not really something that women do in Afghanistan. So I was taken around. I met, I met some really, really great people while I was there. And I was really surprised that when I said, oh, I'm American, they're like, oh, okay. Like I had an American friend here, like when you guys were here, things like that. So that was kind of nice to hear. And what, you mentioned shisha. What is, what is that? Uh, hookah. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. And then Jacqueline, what kind of, how long have you been traveling around for? Um, so I guess it's been since 2013. Yeah. So right after I graduated uni, yeah, I started, started uh-huh. traveling. Yeah. And then was it something that was just always in you? What inspired you? What, like, what are some of the reasons why you wanted to go out and see the world? Actually, um, so my dad growing up, he used to work in recycling paper. So he'd get books from different printers, libraries that had too many, and he would shred them, rebale them, and make them into new paper to resell. But he'd pull out a lot of books for me and bring them home. So a lot of them were about travel, journalism, different parts of the world. So I kind of had all these ideas in my head when I was a kid, all these adventures I wanted to have. <laughs> so when I finally yeah, finished school, I'm like, I'm an adult now. Like, can go and do these things. So it's just so interesting, right? Like your dad having that job, recycling paper, right? And then just happened to have extra books that he let you see that started to get the wheels turning of what else was out there. And then now look, we're nine years later and you're still out in the world traveling. Yeah, no, best decision I ever made. Do you, and you know, I'm a big fan of just being in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And when, when people ask me, you know, where am I going to be at? And then even in the next year or two, I, I don't ever know. And I love not knowing. I love being mm-hmm. open. I love just being here and right now and seeing where life may take me. Um, and if, if, you, if you can't put some sort of a, an idea on this, how long do you think you're going to continue this journey and continue traveling around the world? Well, I hope forever. So, yeah, it's kind of just unfolded as uh, time's going on. So as I go more places or meet people, I become interested in where they come from. And it's just kind of mm. taking it day to day. So, I mean, when I went to Afghanistan, I made the plan that day. So I had seen the embassy and I'm like, ah, maybe I'll go and see what it is. How do I get a visa? Gave me a visa that day. I was on a flight that night. Wow. So wild. It just, <laughs> yeah, it was a, yeah. I'm not sure it was a great decision, but I mean, it, it worked out and it was, it was a really eye-opening experience for me. What are some of your favorite places in terms of like favorite of anything, you know, the experience, the people that you met, the culture, um, anything, what what are like, I guess, some of the top places that you've really enjoyed visiting? Oh, Sudan. Sudan is my favorite place in the entire world. I mean, everywhere I go kind of just reinforces that too. It's just, I love it. The people, the atmosphere, the lifestyle. Um, There's nowhere that I found that I love more. Oh, it's, and then are there a couple other places too that you have really enjoyed? Okay, I've got a weird list. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so my top place is Sudan, of course. I really like Saudi Arabia. I loved Iraq. Absolutely loved being in Iraq. Azerbaijan <laughs> um, and Eritrea. Are, that's my top five list. Okay, the last two places that you mentioned, where are they? Um, so Azerbaijan is just south of Russia, next to Georgia and Armenia. So I know, I know Kayla makes Georgian food. So, <laughs> yeah, so um, there. Um, and Eritrea is just next to Sudan on the Red Sea. Got it. Wow. So something I really want to kind of tap in in this episode is the experiences that you've had with other people yeah. in these different cultures and countries and just what that kind of looked like for you, because I am just such an advocate of our oneness. Um, mm-hmm. And really, that anyone else out there, if we lived and grew up in the same environment experience that they did, there's a very likely great chance that we'd be just like them. 
So the people out there that we may look down on or judge or think that they're living just because they're living in a different way than us, that it's wrong. That again, if you were that person living in that country, in that culture, in that experience, you would most likely celebrate the exact same things. Mm -hmm. So just in your travels, have you noticed or, or, or realized our connection to other people in totally yes. different cultures than the one that we live in? Yeah, this is something that actually hit me right after I moved to Sudan. So about six months in, I had met a lot of people. I had made some just great friends. And it kind of hit me that the closest like people to me are these people that I have nothing in common with. So we grew up on opposite sides of the world. Our life experiences couldn't be any more different. So a rural village in Sudan versus a village in upstate New York. So we had nothing in common. But then these were my closest friends. And I had always thought like, so I come from Clinton originally. So a very small, tight-knit community. Uh, everybody knows everybody. We're all in each other's business, that kind of place. So and I couldn't imagine at one point being close, dating anybody or having close friends that hadn't had those same experiences of me uh, as me. And then just one day in Sudan, it just hit me. Like my best friend, um, his name is Amjad and stuff. And like, we have nothing in common, but we found this commonality to bond over and like share our experiences and have this connection between us. So, and it's, uh, it just, it's been amazing. And I've found that now around the world, just there's always, you have more in common than you do that's different with people. And once you actually sit down and you get to know people and you have a cup of coffee with them and you realize that, I mean, people are people no matter where they come from. I love that. There, I, I truly believe that too, that we have much mm -hmm. more in common than mm -hmm. we don't. And like, I'm grateful and thankful that we're different. Like, thank God we're different. Thank God we're not <laughs> all exactly the same. How boring, <laughs> boring. would that be? Yes. <laughs> Life would be so boring. There'd be like no purpose of travel, no purpose mm -hmm. of going anywhere else if everything was exactly the same. Each culture was the same. So I just, you know, I... Something I always want to, I always push out and, and, and the idea that, that we are all, literally that we are all the same, that we are all one. Just because we grew up differently, just because we don't believe in the same things, the same religion, just because our cultures were drastically different, doesn't mean that there's not a commonality there. And doesn't mean that there isn't similarities between us. Um, like the ideal, you know, ideally striving for happiness and joy mm -hmm. and love and being connected to your family. It's like these really, really core things in us, mm -hmm. I feel like remain the same throughout. Just because the surroundings and the physicalities and those things are different doesn't change the fact of who we are really on the inside and what we all aspire to be and have. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that I've kind of noticed just meeting people from, especially places that, I mean, if someone had said like, oh, Iraq like 20 years ago to me and like oh god I'm never going to go there and then just meeting these like very open welcoming friendly curious people and then just realizing that at the end of the day we all we all care about the same things want the same things and yeah I just really people are people love yeah. is love it's kind of all it just reinforces it all the time and have you felt any judgment uh, on yourself from other people when you've visited these different countries um, no, not really. So now and then I'll get a comment like right when I meet somebody. So um, in Afghanistan, a man on the bus told me, he's like, you're American. Americans are so full of hate. And I'm like, oh, oh no. So, but after, I mean, we're on a bus for eight hours together. At the end of it, it was like, so nice to meet you. Come meet my family and all of this. So, I mean, it's just because they had never met an American before. So, and maybe if, um, I had never traveled. I had never met someone from Afghanistan before. I would only know what I saw on TV. So, and I would put that judgment and perception onto them. So you can't blame people for maybe judging Americans or not liking them because they only see what our, the government does or what they see on TV and stuff. But when you actually meet somebody, it kind of changes that mindset. When he said Americans are so full of hate, how did you receive that? How did, how did, like, literally, how did that make you feel? Well, first I was kind of like, oh no, because I was on a bus full of, with uh, Taliban in the middle of Afghanistan. So, um, but it made me sad. So it's, it's hard to hear that too, because that's not my understanding of Americans. Um, so, I mean, I think Americans overall are like full of love, um, very welcoming people. So growing up in Clinton, we're so close to Utica. Um, that's a city of refugees. 
So I grew up seeing people being so welcoming and then hearing that and like, no, we're not like that. But so it's hard sometimes to hear that. And it just, it just really goes to show you that what is perceived in the media or those things just aren't always truthful. And mm-hmm. the only way to actually understand another person and where they're coming from is to talk to them. And how can you, something that, that like, I have a difficult time, like kind of um, accepting is generalizing an entire nation mm-hmm. or an entire industry, because there are people in America that have hate in their heart. Of course, yeah, of course, there of course, are. of course. And those people are just in pain. They're just suffering. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's not who would choose to wake up every day and have a heart filled with hate. It's mm. not a good life to live. Like they're not in a good place, but then of course, there's the other people that aren't like that. And I just want to give you so much love for being open to him still and sitting there and talking with him for hours and helping change his perspective and helping him understand that everyone in America isn't full mm-hmm. of hate. And the best way to understand people is just to sit and chat with them and get to know them. Huh. Yeah, well, I think so many people have done that for me over the years too, because I obviously we see the world through the culture we grew up in through our lens that we were kind of given as children. So, and so many people that I've met over the years have kind of showed me that places I thought were dangerous aren't dangerous. People are just there living their lives. So it's nothing to be afraid of. Mm. So a lot of people have done that for me as well. Uh, right. The, the things that can change when you are just sitting next to somebody for eight hours. Yes. Yeah. And you just yes. get to know each other. Mm. Right. Openly. And now, honestly, the fact that like, again, just so much love for you in that moment, you could have been like, yeah, we're filled with hate. Like F you. See you later. I'm not talking to you for the rest. (laughs) That could have been so easy to do that. (laughs) One of the coolest stories ever, I think, is this, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, but there's a guy named Daryl Davis. Okay. And he's an uh, African-American guy. And for years and years, he helped convert hundreds of KKK members out of the KKK. Okay, wow. And how he was able to achieve this incredible feat that takes so much courage and such a good heart in order to sit down with people that you know hate you. Hate you. My God, yeah. That possibly want to kill you. But what he did was he sat with them and he asked questions and he got to know them right? He put his guard down. He was vulnerable and that created them to be more open because in your situation too. And in Daryl's, if he was like, Oh, you hate me. Well, then I hate you too. Mm. That would have ended the conversation. It would have gone nowhere. The connection that was created, the love, the bonds that were created between you and that guy, between Daryl and all those people, it wouldn't have existed. So the, the moral of this is coming forth in love. And coming forth through your heart. If you're in a situation where someone hates you and you can't be loving to them, that's okay. It's better to just move and walk away or turn away. And that's yeah. that's that's okay. We just don't need to convey the hatred back because when we're conveying hatred, who feels the hatred? It's us. Yeah, and there's so much of it in the world already. You don't need to add more. <laughs> we, de- <laughs> we definitely like- don't. Right. And that's that story about Daryl just really every I think about that a lot because it's just so inspirational. And really, he got to talking to these guys. They got to know him. They under they started to understand that the culture that they grew up in wasn't correct, right? Mm. They became KKK members, most of them, because that's what they were told their entire life. They were told that African-Americans, they are bad. They're, they're lesser than them. So when you grow up in that experience, in that culture, in that environment, most of the time you are going to start to ad- adopt those beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you need that person who has love in their heart that can come and talk to you and give you another perspective on the situation. So Daryl was able to literally just give them another perspective on people. It's, I can't take so much strength. Oh my God. Yeah. And he literally converted hundreds of KKK members over. And he did that through his compassion, empathy, and love for them. Yeah. And how much, how much hate was removed from the world because of his love. Yes. And like, what a gift too! instead of being like KKK members, I hate you go die and be miserable. What a beautiful gift he gave them to be open so that they could remove that hate from themselves. Wow. Yeah. It's a really powerful story. I just like that. And like, yeah. Yeah. 
And you just telling me that right now too, just made me think about that, how beautiful that can be when we just sit and talk with somebody, not have, you know, not have thoughts about them, not think that we know them before we even get to talk to them, going into a conversation with no premeditated thoughts of who this person is going to be, just being present in the moment and allowing them to be who they are. No, that's so important too, as you, when you travel, you have to remember you're a guest in these countries as well. So you have to go in with an open heart and be ready mm-hmm. to, to listen and learn. Yeah. So can I, in, in your experiences, like what has this done for your life, this travel? Have you, do you feel like it has literally changed Jacqueline and the person who you are? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think thinking back to like who I was in high school and growing up, I mean, a lot of different things over the years have changed me fundamentally, but uh, I mean, I've learned a lot of patience <laughs> over the years. Yeah. That's been definitely something uh, I've let go of a lot of the materialism, things like that, that maybe were surrounding me when I was younger. Mm. No, mm. so I think I'm a better person for it. A more accepting person. I think I understand things in a way that I hadn't before. And I'm still learning, obviously. So I mean, even who I was a year ago versus now, I feel like, wow, like I've really seen a lot. I've really learned a lot more in that time. Mm. So that's, I mean, that's continual. And what do you think during like your, throughout your travels, what are some of the things, experiences that you've had that you're most grateful for? Mm, Okay. Honestly, like most of it's always, been in Sudan. So, I mean, Sudan has become such, I've lived there now for eight years as my main base. Um, So it's become a deep part of me now. Um, I'm just, I'm grateful for everything that I've experienced there. So I was in Sudan through the revolution um, and now two military coups um, and just watching the Sudanese people. So Sudan was under a military dictatorship for 30 years. And it's one of the countries with the youngest population in the world. So more than 70% of the country is under the age of 30 years old. So 70% of the country has never lived outside of anything besides a military dictatorship, a military dictatorship. And then just watching these people go out every single day to protest for their rights, for democracy, um, for women's rights, never having known them themselves. So they're just protesting for an idea, willing to die for an idea of a better future that they've never even had a taste of. It's just, it's meant so much to me to live there, to be adopted by that country, to have friends from there, just seeing the resilience and the dedication of the Sudanese people has really changed me. So it's, it's been one of the best experiences of my life. Wow. So that's been your home base, Sudan, for the past eight years. And then from yes. there, you're just kind of jetting off and, and going to different countries. Yeah. So I'm home in Sudan for probably about six months of the year. So I, I do have a job, so, which surprises a lot of people. I know I get a lot of messages. They're like, who's paying for all these travels and why don't you work? I do actually work. Um, so I'm there about half of the year and then I travel about half the year. So I kind of do two months, two months back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in your travels and things like that too, have you picked up different things from from other cultures that you work into like into your daily life, like any practices or anything like that that you picked up well, along the way? I have terrible table manners now, so I'm so used to eating with my hands on the floor. So that's something I went to a nice dinner two nights ago. And I had to use a knife and fork and I'm like stabbing at the, <laughs> the food. <laughs> my friend that I'm with, he's like, no, what are you doing? Stop that. So then we had to have pizza last night to save him some embarrassment. Um, but so I, uh, <laughs> things like that I have kind of unconsciously hmm. picked up. And I mean, there's a lot of Arabic words that have slipped into my English or um, I'm really bad at showing up on time for things now yeah so i'm on the africa time all the time so if you tell me to be somewhere at seven at 7 30 i'm sitting on my bed thinking about getting ready <laughs> so it's a terrible habit but you adjust to it so when i first moved to sudan i hated that about people and like why is everybody so late like i'm waiting around but then you learn like that's just the way it is so no rush Huh. Well, so <laughs> that is the culture there that notoriously everyone is just typically late. 
Oh yeah, everybody's late for everything. If I say I'm on my way, I might mean I'm going to show up tomorrow. So it's, yeah, everybody is always, always late. So, but you adjust to it. And yeah. and then if somebody tells me like, oh, I'll be there at eight in my head, I don't expect them to be there at eight anymore. So, I mean, that's, yeah. it's just the way, the way they yeah. live. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so interesting, right? It was something that bothered you in the beginning and now that's who you are. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. now it bothers my friends from when I visit home or something like that. Yeah. Like, Why are you always late? I can't help it. How often are you going back to New York? Like rarely or? Um, every couple of years. So my mom still lives in Clinton. Um, mm. So some, I got up there if I can for Christmas um, holidays. If there's a wedding, I'll go home. But besides that, not, not very often. Mm. And then, so that's interesting, right? You kind of see this just happening for the foreseeable future. Uh, you mm-hmm. going around and traveling. Yeah. Can, yeah. Can you imagine your life not doing this right now? No, probably not. I mean, I had a taste of it during the pandemic when we were, when we were locked down and that was very, very difficult. Hmm. So I don't think I can imagine being any, any different than this. Wow. And I think, what are some things that you feel like, so you have this different perspective than a lot of people have, right? Myself personally, I've been living in the States for the, since for the past nine years, Okay. you know, New York city, uh, back in upstate New York, San Diego, Florida right now. Okay. But what you've done is, you know, it's, really very different than anyone I've ever spoken to. You know what I mean? Mm. What are some of like the main takeaways from the experiences that you've had with other people that you feel like are worthy of you sharing and helping people like me or other people who have stayed in the States, uh, mm. that perspective that you've been able to gain over the past nine years? So something I've thought about is, you know, when you're growing up, so you're in high school and you're junior, senior um, you're in your senior year and you start talking about college because it's like, you gotta, you gotta get into a school. You gotta go right to school yeah. afterwards. And then you're finishing college, you're graduating. Everyone's like, okay, gotta get a job, gotta get an internship. And then you start thinking about the house and you know, getting married and just that progression of life. And I think it's important that people remember that's not the only way to live. So that might be exactly what some people want, but it's, it isn't the only thing that you can want. And I know when I first started telling people, like, I'm thinking about moving to Sudan, um, people were like, that's so irresponsible. Like you need to have like a stable job. What are you doing? And so I thought about that a lot over the years. And I want people to know that they don't have to follow the same path that everybody else does. So if you're not sure about what you want to study right after high school, I mean, take some time, um, find a job, maybe work abroad somewhere, take some time to kind of reflect on what you want out of life. Because once you commit to school, there's the debt. And the next thing you know, you're 15 years down the line and you've got so many ties that you can't really change what you're doing. So I think it's important to remember there's different ways to live and they're all okay. So you don't have to just be what everybody else is. Yes, the best message ever. Yeah, so that's something that's really stood out to me because I didn't feel I had any support with that when I was leaving. So everybody told me it was the wrong thing to do. And I still get that sometimes, but so I want people to know that it's not the wrong thing to do. You got to do what's best for you and live the life that you want to live because we only get one. So you have to make the most of it. For sure. And good for you staying true to who you are, because when you're making a big move like that and the world, everyone around you is telling Mm -hmm. you, this is stupid. This is, you shouldn't do this. What are you doing? It's very easy to crack under that pressure. Oh, I did. I cried on my layover and I'm like, what am I doing? This is like the worst like mistake I will ever make and stuff. I, oh my God. That was the scariest thing I've ever done in my entire life. The best thing I've ever done, but also the scariest. Uh, Everything is on the other side of fear. Yes. Yeah. There is a, an, an entire other universe on the other side of fear. Yes. It's so, uh, so cool that like, you know, hearing that you've been there for so long, just initially, you're like, oh, that's probably easy for her. She just made a move. This is who she always wanted to be. And she just jumped right into it. But honestly, it's like inspiring to know that you received a little bit of backlash and people weren't the most positive uh, in this journey. And it's really made that much cooler that you still did it and that you were afraid. Can you that's imagine? <laughs> 
All right, go back to that time. Could you imagine if you were on that layover and you're like, this is too much, and you turned around and went back home? I don't know what I'd be doing today. Uh, I know I had a, I had a job. Um, it just hit me one day. So I had a decent job for my age. I was a recent college graduate. It was enough to you know, pay for my life and have a little extra. And that was kind of the dream at that point. And it just hit me one day, like, I'm comfortable enough where I could just live and die in this and never have anything else or feel anything else. And I could just stay there forever. And that's all life would be. It would be comfortable, but it wouldn't be, there'd be nothing extraordinary about it. And Mm -hmm. that kind of hit me then that I needed to, I needed to make a change. And I didn't know what that change was going to (laughs) be, but something had to change. And I quit my job. Yes. (laughs) Booked a flight to Sudan. (laughs) As I was. Yeah. As everybody does every single day. No no big deal. Uh, I love you jumping into the unknown too. It's like, right. You knew if you had stayed, what your life would have looked like. Very known, right? You had that picture. You you knew what that was going to be like. And then the unknown can be really scary, but there is infinite possibilities in the unknown. Mm -hmm. Uh, and how beautiful is that? Yeah. Well. Even for us when, uh, I mean, not the same thing at all, but it was a big move. I moved from New York to San Diego. I mean, across the entire yeah. country. And, West uh, <laughs> and that was, <laughs> and that was scary. You know what I mean? I remember talking to a bunch of people like a week before we were going and having the thought of like, oh shit, like, are we doing this? Oh, should we be doing this? I started to kind of like freak out that you know this was a giant move we were moving across the entire country away from our friends and family mm-hmm. and the the fear started to set in of like maybe we shouldn't do this you know that unknown was scary yeah you know? of course it is yeah. yeah like i knew the life i had living in, in new york city it was great we needed to change uh but you know to change uh across the country was you know it was it, it was a big move and uh I had my, I had Kayla, my wife with me. Um, so that definitely made things easier. And I think about, I think back on that sometimes I couldn't be more grateful that I didn't let the fear stop us from moving to San Diego because uh-huh. in moving there, it transformed my entire life. I've grown more as a person in those few years that I was there than any other time of my life. I got more into spirituality and, uh, meditation, um, it helped me just love people more. Uh, being in San Diego and the environment that we were in, it was just filled with love and kindness. People were just nice to each other. Mm-hmm. And it changed me so, it, like when I think about the transformation of who I was into who I am now, mm-hmm. it always starts right in, right when I got to San Diego. And imagine, and I think about that, imagine if I just listened to the fear, because it would have been way easier to not yes. move. But the easy is just easy. So, I mean, you don't get anything else out of that. So that's the only benefit of the easy path is that it's easy. True. Yes. It is just easy. And like everyone talks about, or a lot of people talk about this, like living outside of your comfort zone and staying in New York, that would have been comfortable. That would have been our comfort Mm -hmm. zone. You know, maybe moving close to Jersey or somewhere, it still would have been in the comfort zone uh, of who we were. But it was like, Hmm, San Diego, it's unknown. Again, there are infinite possibilities out there. Mm-hmm. Like what can happen? And we're always like, you know, if things don't go in the best way, we can always just move back. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think it's freeing when you realize that about your life. Like if you're unhappy with your circumstances, start working towards changing them. Mm. So if that didn't work out, start looking at what else you could do. What are the other options? Mm. Well. And I mean, that is a good point. Even like with us moving out there, it didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew we wanted to move out of the city. And then we uh, literally one day, uh, my brother came into our apartment and he's like, hey guys, I'm moving to San Diego. We're like, that's okay. wild, cool. And then that, <laughs> and we knew we wanted to leave. So that kind of set things in motion. But even when I was about to move out there, like he was about to leave. Mm-hmm. So that also made me like nervous and like really scared. I'm like, okay, at least I have my brother out there, but now he might be leaving. You know Isn't what I mean? it funny the things that like trigger those ideas in you? Like your brother came and said that, and that's what gets the wheels turning for yeah. your own life. Yeah, it's always the smallest thing that can make those those changes happen in the end. Yeah. yeah. And like even with that, it like it did take us some time before we actually moved. Maybe it was like eight months. So it's just like in the in people listening to this conversation right now, you don't need to drop everything and go right now. If that feels yeah. good for you, then do that. 
Like literally just follow mm-hmm. your gut, follow your heart, follow what feels right. But don't feel like you're, like you're trapped and like, well, I can't just leave tomorrow. It's okay if it takes a little bit of time for you to make oh, that yeah. move. It took me, I think, two and a half months to settle things. I mean, I had a car, I had an apartment, like I had to, I had some, I couldn't just take off on a plane the next day. Yeah. I had responsibilities that I had to Mm. sort out before I could go. Yeah. So it took some time to get everything in order, but I mean, I was motivated then to get everything in order. So Yes. Yeah. And really it's like just following what feels right for you. And I'm just like, it's, I'm grateful. It's so amazing that you did follow what was right for you because really I think about that in 2013, that is a big move to make. Yeah, I was uh, I was 23 years old at the time. Was, yeah, I was. Uh, I worry sometimes. I like think like think about it. I'm like today, would I still do that? So, and I I hope and I try to challenge myself to make sure I'm still that person that would make that decision. Yeah. So, because that's I mean my favorite thing about myself, and I don't want to lose that. Uh, amazing. Did you feel any support when you were about to leave or was everyone just, you know, and, and I, when I pull back to people are just trying to protect you, right? Anybody yes, who told yeah. you not to go, it was love. It was just protection. Love. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I have a lot of friends that told me that, oh, you need to keep your life in order. You need to have this kind of rigid thing, a stable job. And it's because that was what was best for them. So they were just trying to help me because they knew what was working well for them. So they wanted that for me as mm. well. So, um, you know, my mother cried and she's like, you know, you don't have to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. But most people came around after a few months or six months in when they could see how much I loved it. I was posting about Sudan on Facebook and they're like, oh, I didn't actually know this about the country and mm. things like that. So people came around. Wasn't a lot of support in the beginning, but yeah, by now, yeah, mostly everybody has just kind of accepted it. So yeah. don't really get a lot of comments anymore. And I wonder for your friends too, who like wanted that more structured, secure life for you, mm. because that's what they had. If that's even actually what they wanted, or that's what they mm. were told their whole life. So they just kind of fell into that as well. You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah. I mean, everybody has something different that works for them. And I hope people take the time to reflect, like, am I happy? What could I do to be happier? Mm. How could I make myself have a more fulfilling life? Mm. And it's just knowing that it's like, there is, like you said this before too, there isn't one path for everybody. There's just not. Mm. I think we're told that there is so much that like, we just get stuck in it. And then people, you wake up and you're like, I'm unhappy, but you can't even figure out why you're unhappy because you're doing everything that you think is right. Mm. So I want to make sure people kind of remember that there are other ways to do things. Well, when you've been told, you know, your whole life, okay, go to college, get a job. Get a job that's secure. Get a job that you know pays pretty well. Get a job that allows you to put food on the table for your family. Mm-hmm. And like in theory, those are you know. Yeah, I mean, some good. of those are very important things. Yeah, so. yeah. And it's like I get that, right? Like, do all these things so that you can support yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. And that is a, I appreciate that, but not dictating and saying like, this is exactly how it has to go. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to go in a certain way. And like, that's like such a huge important message of, especially like what you're doing for people to know that because you can hear that. But once you have an example, like you, Jacqueline, who's doing it, mm-hmm. that makes it that much more possible for anybody listening to be like, wow, I can create my own path. I don't have mm-hmm. to go in this certain way that my parents told me or my friends thought would be best for me. I can be in, and create whatever I want, garner to what makes me happiest. Yeah. I mean, it takes work too. I mean, I know I sound like I just took off and then started traveling and things, but like, I struggled financially for years after I moved. So, and I was kind of questioning like, oh, I gave up like this good job and like now I'm, I'm struggling a little bit, but it just kind of motivates you to work harder and mm. to get to that place that, that you want to be at. Right. And it's okay if those little, those doubts will creep in. From time yeah, to time. yeah, of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's right. that, what do they say? The 90, 10% thing. So are you happy 90% of the time? Like 10% you're allowed to question things. You're allowed to have doubts. You're allowed to be, what the hell am I doing? But 90% of the time you need to be happy with what you're doing. And if you're not, then you need to start thinking about some changes. Mm. And honestly, like, th- like that doubt is good because that helps you kind of like mm-hmm. recalibrate and like yeah. relook at things. Yeah. And you can kind of evaluate things then. 
And it, like, it, it's good to have those moments because like, and that's like the thing, it, it's always just being intentional with what you're doing. And it's always being aware of what's happening. It's not like jumping into, you know, say what you did and then you're miserable for five years, but you're like, I got to stick this out. Yeah. I can't, I can't, can't fail. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I can't let people tell me that they were right. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, it's still like doing something like that. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. And then, you know, going back or going somewhere else and, and deviating from that path. But it is, it, it comes down to just like really knowing yourself and knowing what makes you yeah. happy and following that, following that in your heart. And like, if the thing that you thought was going to make you happy ended up not making you happy, it's okay. You like, you don't need to be attached to that because you feel, you're going to feel judgment for other people or literally people are going to be like, I told you that wasn't going to work out. Mm. You're always going to have people like that in your life. So you kind of got to just <laughs> ignore it because <laughs> it's always going to be there. You can't make everybody happy. And once you realize that, I think life can be so freeing. Mm, so true. Because no matter what you choose or pick, there's going to be somebody who disagrees or is going to judge you for it. So that's so true. In knowing that, pick whatever you want to pick because it's going to happen no matter what. Yep, exactly. You can try to do everything right, everything that other people want from you, and then you're still going to upset somebody. Someone's still going to be hating on you. So, I mean, you got to live for you. Mm, So true. Uh, And then Jacqueline, too, just I just... In, you know, the people that you've met and all the experiences that you've had over these last nine years, what is, what are like one or two of the experiences that you had that really, 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 really you hold dear to your heart based on anything, based on your connection with another person, a new perspective that you gained, just something that you really hold close to you um, that you were able to experience and be in and in your travels? Um, there's like a few things that like, um, I had this, this time I was in the Northern part of Sudan and I was, uh, I had a car with a friend of mine and we were driving, um, back to one of the main cities. We're probably about three hours out in the middle of the desert. And we passed, um, this hitchhiker in the middle of the desert, no idea how this guy got there. So it's the middle of nowhere. And we kind of talked for a second, like, ah, did we pick him up? Like, we're kind of jerks if we leave him in the middle of the desert, like it's hot and stuff. And at the end, we, we kept going. So about a mile or so later, we lost a tire. <laughs> so middle of the desert. Um, so we're kind of crouching like under the shade of the car, trying to like get out of the sun after maybe an hour or so, the hitchhiker catches up to us and he just kind of plops down next to us. Like he's part of this now. (laughs) um, And a while later, a car came along and it was some people that lived in a village nearby and they're like, we'll take care of your car, like come with us. Um, So they drove us out to the village. So I was the only foreigner. So, and I was with these two Sudanese guys. Um, This village had probably never seen a foreigner in their entire life. Like they didn't know what to make of me. So, but it was about a week after the celebration of Eid, um, so the end of Ramadan. So, and for Eid, they slaughter a goat um, to share amongst the community. And goats are quite expensive in Sudan um, and in much of the world, especially around the holiday because they're in high demand. Um, so, but these people in this, this tiny village um, that was just a few mud houses, they brought out this big platter, which must have been all of the goat meat that they had left um, just to give to me as a guest that they were helping out. And they've already helped out so much. Like they brought us water. They took us like from the middle of the desert. They're fixing our car. And then they're offering everything that they had to us. And I'm a vegetarian too. So I'm like pretending to eat the, the goat because like I don't want to offend them, but I'm also not going to eat the goat. So I'm like, mm-hmm. my friend is trying to pick up the slack and eat twice as much just to make <laughs> it look like we're eating. Um, and it ended up, we got the car fixed. So the next day, Um, In the morning, they took us back to the car, the car's tires all fixed. So we get in the car with the hitchhiker in the back. So and we're on our way back to the city we're heading to. And so after that, I kind of thought about it. I'm like, I'm never going to leave a hitchhiker in the desert again. (laughs) So from then on, always picking up anybody I see that's in a situation like that. So that's kind of something that's Mm. stuck with me over, over the years. And it's kind of just a rule that I kind of go by. And have you been doing that now? Have you been picking anybody? I have anybody? been doing that. Yeah. Always pick up the hitchhikers. Yeah. And I've been hitchhiking too from time to time. So when somebody always picks me up, so it's a big, it's kind of a pay it forward 
type thing. Cause I've been in many situations where I needed somebody to help me out or I didn't know how to navigate the place. I've just shown up in a new country. I don't speak the language and yeah. someone sees the confused blonde girl and comes to help me out. <laughs> so yeah. So, and same with, I see travelers coming through Sudan. Um, I always have a couch on offer. So I've had a lot of people pass through this couch now over the years. So um, until I left this last time, I had five people crashing at my apartment. So just because I know it's not, it's not an easy place always. So people have helped me out in other countries. Um, I want to help people out when they come through. And I want people to have a good experience and really enjoy the country that I love so much. That's so awesome how one little experience can just completely shift and like, who you who you became because now like you giving a place for people to be and stay with you or giving people a ride like just you opening your heart more like that experience literally allowed you to because right when you see hitchhikers there's a little bit of fear that comes in there for sure yeah oh yeah of course of course especially like as a woman if i see like a male hitchhiker and stuff i'm a little bit like okay like what do they want what are they after do they have a weapon but Mm. i think 99% 99% of people are good. They have good intentions. So they're just trying to live their life, get by, get to where they need to go. So I want you to kind of remember that. I mean, yeah, everything becomes easier. And when I asked you that question, I was hoping it was going to be like a human experience and a connection that you shared, <laughs> which is great. And like, how beautiful is that too? They just took you in, shared their food with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure when the when the flat tire happened, I mean, who wants to get a flat tire, especially in the middle of the desert? No, middle of the desert, nothing around. But like, how awesome was that flat tire? Because look what that yeah. did. <laughs> so I'm like thinking back, like when it happened, we're all just like, oh, fuck, like this is awful. Worst thing, we're not going to get back. And it ended up being this experience that's meant so much to me over the years. It's, it's my, my favorite story about my life in Sudan and just even being able to see that other side of life and how other people live was so eye-opening as nice. well. So, and I love that. That's it. it's so good too. And it's like always being open to what's happening to you mm. and always seeing the positive in it. Because again, that could have been like the worst. You lose a flat tire in the middle of the desert. That could have just been like, oh, the day's ruined. This is over. This sucks. And who knows? Maybe when the hitchhiker came, if you were in a worse state of mind, you'd like, get out of here. I don't want to, yeah. you know, and who knows what could have happened. Yeah. But being open to that and staying positive in that, it just goes to show you in every single thing that we experience, we can take it in a more positive way. We can create something good from it, even though it may not seem like it's good right off the bat. Oh, and I mean, worst case scenario, it becomes a story later on. So yeah, yeah. you never remember the vacations or the trips that everything goes to plan. So you remember the things where something went wrong and then you met this person and then this happened. And that's what you tell over dinner um, years to come. Mm. So, I mean, at least you get that out of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Jacqueline, it, like really in, in your travels, what do you feel like is something that you can share with the people of the United States? Something that you can mm. share with them that you have discovered uh, through your experiences that might help us shift our perspective to have a little bit more love towards people of Sudan or Afghanistan or mm. different countries. So I think a lot of times people just don't know anything about some of these countries. So when I first started saying I'm moving to Sudan, people knew Darfur and they're like, Oh God, like why would you go there? And then Sudan came up again in the news a lot um, when the Muslim ban was passed after Trump was elected so, and then people would tell me things like, oh, every, all the Sudanese want to kill Americans. Like I'm sitting in a market in Sudan. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I think you have to remember that people are people and you, everyone, they're getting judged by the actions of their government. So the Sudanese government is not great. I just spent some time in Iran um, at the beginning of October. Obviously the Iranian government is not great and what's going on there and what they're doing with the protests is absolutely atrocious, but it's, it's just these people that want the same things that we do. So they want their rights, their basic civil liberties that their government is taking. And we're kind of judging the entire country based on the actions of a bad government. And I think we do that over and over again. And I don't want that to happen to me. So I don't want people to judge me based on what the American government does. So I think we need to remember not to do that to other people as well. 
And so that's what I've really enjoyed and I've appreciated in going to some of these countries, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Sudan, and just kind of seeing that the people in the government are very, very different things. So take the time to learn a little bit about the culture or the people or the history. And you kind of see beyond that government's awful. Because I know like I got a lot of messages when I was in Iran from friends and family being like, what are you doing there? Like, it's a terrible place where I found some of the most resilient, welcoming people that I've ever met. So it's just taking that time to open yourself up to experiencing and learning and so, and even I know everybody can't travel. So I'm very, very lucky that I have the luxury of the time to be able to do it. But I mean, even taking the time to watch maybe films that come out of a country. So reading blogs, there are Facebook groups. There's so much that you can do to connect with people around the world. So, and get to know more about them, their circumstance, what they, what they care about. And it doesn't take that much effort to do so. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that perspective. <laughs> Seriously. That is huge. And do you feel like uh, over this time, it has changed you to being more open and accepting uh, yeah. and understanding of other people? Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, constantly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of having some of those bias as well. So, I mean, we do see the world through the way that we were raised. So it's sometimes uncomfortable when you have to challenge your worldview or your perceptions of a place, but you just have to be open to it. And it's okay that you have these like biases and whatnot and stuff. But if you're open to learning and growing from that, I mean, that's all that you can really ask for. So it's okay to have like the biases because that's what you were drilled and taught your entire mm -hmm. life. But then it's okay because those were ingrained in you. But then it's like the idea of waking yourself up a little bit and not just accepting what you've been told mm -hmm deciding for yourself, you know, reading, uh, like you mentioned, blogs, things like that online, anything that you can get to get more information so that you can make your own educated decision on something, not just believing what you've always been told. Yeah. And even within the U.S., I mean, it's such a multicultural country. We have all of these communities existing within the U.S. So, I mean, go to a different part of town, go to a cultural club, um, visit a mosque. Um, people are so welcoming. Just go and say like, hey, I just want to learn a little bit about like what's going on here and stuff. Like people are very, very open and willing to help you, um, teach you, show you the way that they live or what matters to them. So it's just kind of taking that step of going and seeking that out where you can get that. So, I mean, most people can do that within their own community or their own city. That's like one of the things that in terms of like traveling, I would love to travel more just so I can gain that perspective that you've mm -hmm. been able to gain of being just more open towards people and understanding that we're not that different at all. Like, of course we're different, but again, at the core of who we are, we're, we're the same. Mm -hmm. We're very, very similar. And to be able to experience that in different cultures, in different places, is something really beautiful that you've been able to experience. And I'm so glad that you have been able to take that from. I'm extraordinarily lucky. And mm. I realize that every single day. Because, wow, so many people don't have that understanding at all. You know, they they think what they're told, what they're told in, uh, in the news and the media, and they just take it as truth. Uh -huh. And for you to have the ability to actually experience it like in real time, and to make your really your own decisions uh, based on what you're actually seeing, not what you're told, it's something special. And like it, it gives me so much hope that someone like you, who's been doing this, does see the world more in that way of our oneness, of our similarities. Um, and it's really beautiful that it's created you just to be a more open version of yourself, and someone who just seems to be more loving um, towards others who didn't grow up like you or who don't look like you. Well, thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. To of course. <laughs> and then, uh, so Jacqueline, I'll, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask every single guest uh, on the okay. podcast. So my journey and, and what brings me most joy and happiness in life uh, is helping shift the collective consciousness of the planet uh, to being in a place that's more loving, like, what you're experiencing, one that's more loving, kind, open, vulnerable, accepting, non-judgmental, essentially okay. a consciousness that is more one. So 
how do you feel like in your travels or in your every single day, the things that you're experiencing, how do you feel like you are also contributing to that sort of a, of a shift of consciousness? Well, I think just, I mean, travel in general and being able to create these like cross-cultural connections around the world makes us more one in the way that we understand each other more. And I know my travels have benefited me more than they'll ever benefit the people that I meet. So at, at the root of it, it is quite a selfish endeavor because I'm growing and learning so much and becoming better for myself. Um, but I think everyone that we meet, um, and when you share experiences, even if it's just a meal, a game of backgammon, you go to a hookah bar with somebody and those conversations, they become little parts of you and little parts of each other's stories. So for years to come, like I'll tell stories about the hitchhiker and all the different people that I've met that might tell these little, these little tidbits about me when they've met me on the road. And I think it's that connectedness that kind of makes us more one in the end. So these shared moments that, that we have, even if they're fleeting. So there's so many just kind of chance, tiny encounters that you have with people that just kind of resonate with you and stay in your mind. And I think all of that just contributes to it. Yeah. So it's like, wow. <laughs> so good. It's like, you're out there doing it, experiencing it all yeah, the time. It's, been, it's amazing. I love it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And something I want to just touch on too, you mentioned right in these experiences that you had and the people that you've met because it's helped you grow, become more loving, become a better person that it feels selfish. Mm -hmm. So this is like a big gripe I have with this word selfish in this situation, <laughs> in this situation, mm -hmm. because we need to create a different word uh, for when you are doing things for the betterment of yourself, again, so that you can be mm -hmm. a higher version of yourself, be more loving, because when you're doing that, it makes you a better person in every single moment that you show up in the world. Mm -hmm. You in that are creating a better vibration around you. You in that are creating a better world. So how could that really be selfish? Okay. All right. I'll take your point. Yeah. Because I've, I've talked to people about this a lot and I think about that for mm -hmm. myself too. And I'm like, you know, me doing certain things like literally meditating, me eating right. And they do take time, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they do take away from other moments. But if we're doing these things, again, for the betterment of, our, betterment of ourself, oh which helps create a better world. Yeah. No. It's yeah. Cause you're better to other people when you're better for yourself. Exactly. I don't like selfishness obviously exists. If you're just being yes. selfish in random ways that, you know, aren't benefiting yourself or others. And of course that, that's what that is. But really when we're doing things to create a better version, a higher version of ourselves, we just show up better in the world. We're more loving. We're more kind towards other people. We are literally in that way, shifting the consciousness because the energy that we're putting out, Mm. is positive, good, loving energy. Oh, I really like that, the way of thinking about it. I really like that. Because literally, in what, you, what you've been doing and sharing it in this conversation and all the people that you've met, you are helping. You are creating a better world, right? So yeah, you did things that made you happy, which is beautiful, mm -hmm. that created joy for you. That's awesome. And you're using those things to create a better reality around you. So it's just awesome. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. I like that. No, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna think more about that. Yeah, try uh, to well, think more in that way. Yeah, and try to help me <laughs> out if you can. Let me know if you if you come up with a word that uh, that kind of in, uh, encompasses that whole uh, thing that we're talking about. And when it comes to mm -hmm. if it does, you know what I mean? Because that's what it is. Because a lot of times we'll just we'll revert to that as calling it selfish, mm -hmm. and it's just not really quite what that is. And I mean, language is so limited. Our words yeah, are yeah, yeah. so limited how we truly want to express ourselves. So that's just, that's just one. Yeah. Well, maybe there's another language that has a word for that in there somewhere. <laughs> Try to find it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for hanging out uh, and taking the time. Yeah. No, thank here. you. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, this was awesome. I was really excited to talk to you about and like really just learn from your travels and what you've been doing and really the whole human connection and experience. And I'm I'm so glad that you have seen those things and they and that they have changed you in that way. It's so beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, well, thank you. 
Yes. And in case anyone out there wants to travel with you or be on your journey with you, uh, where are places on social media or, or online anywhere that people can connect with you or follow? Um, so I do post about travel on my Instagram page. So it's my name at Jack Kunz. Um, and I also moderate a Facebook group that's focused on travel. It's called Every Passport Stamp. So, and it's just, a, it's a forum for people that are looking to get into travel. Um, they have travel questions. So we have a lot of, one, some of the biggest travelers in the world in the group. So it's just kind of an open source of information um, for people that are, because I think travel is something that should be accessible. It shouldn't be this elite group of people that are able to do it. So, yeah, so I've been moderating this Facebook group where we just get to share that kind of information. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I learn a lot from it as well. So nice. I like that. Yeah. It's awesome. Cool. Everybody, thank you for being here uh, and joining in on this conversation as well. It really was great. It was really amazing to just dive in a little bit deeper uh, to who you are, Jacqueline, and just understand your perspective of, of what you've gained over these last nine years. So really do appreciate who you are. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yay. Yeah, thank and, you. Of course. And everybody, again, thank you. Uh, reach out to Jacqueline. If you're thinking about traveling, have any questions or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, Always for happy to help. Honestly, always, always happy to help. Yes. So I love when I get questions. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Cool, everybody. Thank you again for being here uh, and just taking time out of your day uh, to sit in on this conversation. So much love for you all and can't wait to see you next week. Bye.